Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2006. Happy New Year. And you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and PR insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. I've had the opportunity in my career to meet and spend time with some truly amazing thinkers, people on the forefront of advertising, marketing, public relations, as well as those that cover that, those industries. What I hope to do with The Hook is to give you access to these thought leaders, which hopefully will inspire you in what you do. So please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for The Hook. So today I will be talking with Matt Kramer, agency reporter for Advertising Age. We'll get to hear some of the coolest and craziest things that have happened this past year in advertising from a real insider. And I'm looking forward to getting his perspective on new technology, big versus small agencies, women in advertising, and uh, the best and worst campaigns of the year. So Matt covers ad, media, PR, and direct marketing agencies for Advertising Age, the premier trade publication for the industry. He joined in August 2004 after a year and a half writing for PR Week, a public relations industry trade magazine, and before that he was a reporter at the Aniston Star a daily newspaper in Alabama. There he covered uh, environmental issues, including a controversial U.S. Army project to build a chemical weapons incinerator just outside town limits and wrote news and human interest features, including one that was adapted into a segment on Comedy Central's The Daily Show. So uh, he's a pretty funny guy. Matt got his master's degree in journalism from NYU, and he interned for the New York Daily News and freelance for the New York Observer. And he also got his bachelor's degree in English and American Lit from NYU. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk with Matt Creamer. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types, hooker, escort, hookup, into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes, one click, great results. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com, the ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI, exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com, the secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. 
Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Katie Kemner, and welcome back to The Hook. Today, I am talking to my friend, Matt Creamer, who covers advertising, media, PR, and direct marketing agencies for Advertising Age. Hello, Matt. Hey, Katie. Still here. (laughs) Good, good. I was hoping you would be back after the break. Okay, so I had asked you right before the break about some of the most uh, surprising or unexpected things, stories that you... uh, that happened in 2005, and one of the stories that I know you covered very thoroughly that really interested me um, has to do with women in advertising, and I know you uh, covered the Neil French episode and its aftermath, which I think is really interesting and uh, not getting on any kind of a soapbox, but as a woman, sort of a disturbing thing. Can, can you tell us what happened and what the resulting fallout has been, if there really has been any? Sure, yeah. I, I think that the, 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 the Neil French saga was one of those sort of stories that will become a real kind of legend in, in advertising. I mean, it involves a guy who is one of the, the, the few sort of remaining ad figures to uh, to not be afraid to speak his mind, and that's and he is Neil French. And, and until recently, he was uh, he had this kind of nebulous role at, at WPP Group, which is a, um, a multinational company that owns a bunch of major advertising agencies, including Ogilvy and Mather and uh, J. Walter Thompson and, and Gray and uh, French worked there as a um, as a sort of what he called a creative godfather, yeah. meaning that he he sort of kind of had a roving responsibility and he would go around to a lot of the different um, agency offices and help them creatively and sort of mentor people and help them with award show submissions and so forth. Um, well, in October he was at um, he was in Toronto where Ogilvy and Mather has an office and. Uh, he he was speaking at um, he was invited to to speak at a I think it was a hundred and fifty dollar a plate dinner um, there in Toronto and he and a few other uh, kind of creative luminaries um, were just talking about the ad business and um, during his uh, during his his address uh, French French sort of now famously or infamously um, described women creative directors as crap. Uh, he, his his reason for doing so was that, um, and again, this is his opinion on this: is that they don't uh, is that they don't have enough. The women creative directors don't spend enough time at the office. They're too concerned with uh, raising the children and tending the family and all that kind of thing, and, and just that's why they they don't get ahead. Um, and you're saying that in a nice way. I think he was a little cruder than that. Yeah, he he he, he was, and it's tough because there there is no actual recording of the of the event the way we sort of know about it besides interviewing french and other people who were there is um a few days later um uh, uh a, a top female creative at ogilvy and mather toronto decided to write a blog entry about this and um over the next few days it was read more and more and 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 um uh sometime in mid-october french tendered his resignation at WPP and he was out the door and that age broke the story and it just became this kind of touch point for um, for for the question of whether there are enough women in prominent roles in advertising. Well, I, and then, I think and then I mean just sort of like as the ending to that story and maybe I'm getting it wrong because I'm just starting to feel slightly incensed all over again. He he was you know approached and and 
asked to give an apology, and he refused to. Isn't that, is that how it went? Well, I, 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 I had the first interview with him, and... Um, Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> I asked him whether, you know, whether the sort of blog version of, of, of the um, event was, was taken out of context, or whether any of my follow-up reporting, for that matter, was was out of context and um and he said it and he you know he replied of course all of the reporting was out of context and he kind of went on and then i then i followed up with um you know and i said so you didn't use the word crap then in reference to women mm-hmm. and he said oh of course i did <laughs> and then he went on to sort of qualify it and and sort of you know say that you know they're not necessarily crap they're only crap if they're in a job that they're not devoting 100% uh percent of 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 their time to so he it's a sort of tricky thing to pin down exactly what he said but he is a a sort of rather um he's a uh to put it diplomatically, a frank guy who really says what he's uh, who really says what he's thinking. <laughs> that was very diplomatic. But what, whatever the case is, I mean, what whatever his personal reasoning is why it happened, it is true. I mean, there aren't a lot of women in high level positions in advertising. What, why do you? What I mean, you you've been covering the industry. Why do you think that that's the case? Well, I think there are a few broad issues in play here. The first is I don't think there's enough diversity in advertising period uh-huh. um, I agree I mean, with you. there are a number of you know industry wide initiatives to uh, you know to recruit more you know minorities into the profession but I mean this is a and I'm sure these you know and I know that these 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 initiatives have been going on for years if not decades now but I mean this is a profession that's really dominated by white males yeah. um, and you know and I think that you can take that broader and, and say that I mean the, the business the, the sort of Bigger, the business world at large is also dominated by white males for a number of, you know, for any number of cultural reasons, which we could, you know, kind of debate or not debate, agree on. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's sort of, it's really just part and parcel, part and parcel of that. Well, I think I think you have a lot of really good points there. So let's move now. Let's move on and talk a little bit about technology, which I know is something that is interesting to you. And um, when I was with Chuck Porter in New York a few weeks ago. He was invited to speak at this Reuters uh, media summit. And everybody kept asking him this same question, what do you think the new video iPod, what role will that play in marketing? And uh, I thought that that was really interesting, an interesting question, the video iPod as well as all sorts of other things that are going on. What do you think the role of the video iPod and all these new types of media are going to play down the road? Um, I mean, I think the role, t- I mean, as far as the sort of the, the advertising business, the ad agency business is concerned, I think the, the role will be to sort of just make the that sort of 30-second spot, that kind of, you know, that, that um, that you know, which carried the load of, 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 of you know, what which was what advertising people did for, for decades. I think it'll kind of continue to make that, in, you know, increasingly... Irrelevant, and I think you'll as you know. I mean, all of the, the the technological issues. I mean, all come down to um, a single question, and that's how are consumers spending their time as they consume media? And you know, I mean, the video iPod is really just one other way that you know sort of takes them from the living room sofa 
and pulls them out of that whole way of consuming media and kind of opens up a lot of doors. It makes them, you know, more mobile, but it also creates an entirely different ad environment with a much smaller screen. And I think the jury will be out on exactly how, um, how uh, you know, whether or not consumers will be receptive to advertising on something like that and whether or not, and, you know, and whether agencies can create ads that are effective on, on you know, in that kind of environment. Um, but, again, I think it's just one of many changes. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the Internet is probably the, big, the biggest single thing to, you know, just the amount of time that, 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 you know, depending on what study you look at, I mean, the amount of time that people spend online just increases with, with every year. And you get an increasing amount of, you get traditional media through the Internet, for instance, radio. Um, and it just doesn't seem like there's any sort of limit to the changes wrong yeah. there. I mean, I think it just makes the job that much harder, really understanding these environments, communicating them to marketers, and then making, you know, helping them to change their strategies, which they hold on tightly to, typically, and then, you know, and then making compelling content that sells things. Well, and a lot of consumers' attention is even so fragmented because they are on the Internet, but they're also listening to their iPod, and they're looking at television, you know, with the sound off. So it's a, it's a question of how you're going to, you know, how you're going to get them to really pay attention. And I, I think a lot of, there'll be a lot more have, things having to do with sort of opt-in marketing, like uh, the subservient chicken even. Sure. Which we can't talk about again because otherwise I'll have to rename this a subservient chicken show because it keeps coming up. But but just I guess sort of opt-in marketing or really what you were talking about with the, the Audi campaign. Exactly. Yeah. Just to go back to I mean Audi had this sort of uh, I mean a similar thing as as far as the the similar sort of appeal and charm that the, the subservient chicken did and that was that you know I mean you kind of I mean you know this is I mean this is marketing that you sort of go to because the content is you know strong enough and it's not being you know really pushed on you it's you know it just sort of it's pulling you in, and I mean, and the thinking is that you know, if you're willing to, um, you know, take time out of work or time, you know, away from family or whatever, and spend it, you know, looking at content, then you'll be engaged, and you'll be, you know, uh, you know, as you're being entertained, you'll be open to commercial messages, provided mm-hmm. you know they're not heavy-handed and you know, kind of disruptive and interruptive. And that you know that we know that you know that you're being marketed to. Yes, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of has to be, I think that has to be that assumption that the consumer is going to understand that he is being sold to has to be built into pretty much every marketing communication. Though I don't think you really see it enough. I still think there are a lot of, you know, old school ways of, of, of sort of pounding consumers to death with the same message. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of the, the sort of celebrity-oriented advertising that you see is is just you know is just all about just sort of you know paying an actor or actress a lot of money to be associated with some brand, and a lot of times you're sort of scratching your head trying to figure out what exactly that what exactly that association is worth to a consumer. So you so. think then the whole sort of like Britney Spears drinking a Pepsi or that sort of stuff is you know is outdated at this point? I think that. It's not necessarily outdated. I just I picked out. I mean, celebrity advertising isn't the only kind of genre of advertising to to really feel outmoded. But I think yeah. the reason that it does is because it's it's often you know it's it's often part of the it's often the creative in these in the the creative idea in these campaigns that are really just sort of you know pounding custom, consumers over the head. And um, there's not a lot of thought or 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 I don't want to say art, but there isn't a lot of 
have necessarily a lot of strategy there. Mm-hmm. I think the you know the we think of you know celebrity advertising. I think a lot of it isn't too far from the the um, the old days where you just had a you know a picture you know a sort of footage of a baseball player using deodorant in a locker room, and that would you know move you know, that particular brand of deodorant. I think that a lot of it is just kind of maybe just the, you know, glossier, better production values, whatever. But yeah, I think a lot of it is sort of, it is sort of outmoded, if it ever really had a reason for being to begin with. Don't tell that to Michael Jackson, right? <laughs> That's right. And build an entire career on it. And you still see a lot of... <laughs> and he got his head on fire. Um, you know what? To talk about technology, just I want to just go one back for a second, since you, so many people are constantly pitching you so many things. Are there any sort of new forms that we that you've heard about that really seem out there or just are not going to take off? That's interesting. I'm actually curious about the the. I mean, just to to pick up one that, that you started off with is the video iPod. I mean, it's far from it, far from me to uh, far be it for me to kind of you know criticize anything Apple does. But I'm I'm um, I'm I'm just curious what kind of appetite there's ultimately going to be for watching. Um, for watching video content, especially like long form or relatively long form video content like sitcoms or or hour long dramas on a screen that's that small mm-hmm. um, you know obviously the the resolution will continue to improve and so forth, but I'm not so sure about that and I guess the same question applies to uh to to watching video on on cell phones. Phone? Um, I think that the jury is definitely still out on that. But I mean, a lot of things are, I think, are really working. I mean, I think podcasts and, and I mean, internet, you know, and internet radio, again, are sort of a really, I mean, I listen to more, you know, radio and in internet form or in podcasts or, you know, distributed by the internet or, or through podcasts than I, than I did, you know, before those technologies were available. So I think there's a lot that's working, but my, my, my question just, my questions generally come around the sort of the video content and just how, when, and, you know, is the technology sort of good enough to really consume consume it on a kind of in a mobile sort of way. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a few questions for PR people like me who want to work with you but may not get to know you yet and be and want to get on your radar. So what is the best way to get in contact with you? I, the best way is to, is to sort of initiate contact um, is to just sort of reach out via email. Tell me, uh, you know, who you're working for. I mean, I typically am, am, am open to, you know, pitches about agencies. I mean, the way that we sort of, the way that AdAge frames its coverage is through the, is through the sort of marketers that, that agencies work for. So we're, we're mostly interested in, in large consumer marketers. So, you know, an agency of any size and any discipline that, that works for big consumer marketers who have large, uh, you know, target audiences can can reach me and shoot me an email or then follow up with a phone call or even just try. I mean, I'm pretty open to a lot of different kinds of pitches. Um, as long as, you know, they, they show that the, the PR person reads the magazine, reads the website, understands the kinds of stories that I'm interested in. And that typically is the biggest problem is just is finding people that really understand what we're, what we're doing here um, and, you know, and how they tell their company can kind of fit into that. Can we say your email address? Do you want to say yeah, your sure, email address? M C R E A M E R at C R A I N dot com. Okay, perfect. All right, Matt. When we come back, I, I I have one or two questions about what pisses you off, like from a PR person. Just because maybe I could uh, 
learn a little something for myself. And then I thought we could talk about Super Bowl time. So we will come back right after this break with Matt Creamer. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. Off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hi, I'm Katie Kempner, and welcome back to the hook. Today we are speaking with Matt Creamer, who covers advertising, media, PR, and direct marketing for Advertising Age. Matt, welcome back. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? So <laughs> we were just talking right before the break about people trying to get in contact with you that might not know you yet, you know, PR professionals I would like to, to talk with you. And you said that the best way was to email you. And um, I was just wondering, well, you know, I wanted to back up for one second because I think it's kind of a, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time now, and it's kind of an interesting thing when you're a journalist that covers a specific trade. Because on the one hand, it's important to know the people that you you know, that you're dealing with on a regular basis and to have relationships with them so you can exchange information and that sort of thing. But on the other hand, you're a journalist and you can't clearly ever um, have your integrity be at any sort of risk. So do you have any sort of thoughts on this strain? And I'm sure it happens in other industries too, but, I, you know, I don't know, only being in this one. Do you have any sort of thoughts on, on that relationship? I think you have to look at that on a, a kind of, industry by industry, and then a publication by publication, or I should say outlet, media outlet by media outlet basis. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in, the, uh, in the ad industry, I mean, working at Advertising Age is nice because it's been around for 
75 years and uh, it's well known. And there's and the other really important kind of thing for the you know that that sort of applies to how I work is that I mean none of the companies that I cover advertise in the magazine, so there's really never any commercial pressure, and you can there's never any commercial pressure, and you can just sort of report on what you sort of see as the news and what you see as to be the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not completely usual in trade publishing. A lot of times people are writing about the um, trade, a lot of times trade journalists are writing about the companies that are, you know, maybe advertising on the same page or advertising a few, um, uh, you know, a few pages back. And that's not to say that those situations are necessarily problematic. It just means that there could be that implicit pressure to maybe, you know, candy coat a story or to go, just to sort of go a little bit softball at times. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I think it, I, I don't, I, I feel, you know, pretty free in terms of what I write about and, and how I do it. Let me ask you one thing, just because I think this is, I've heard some very funny stories, not from you, but I'm sure you have some too, and then we'll move on, but what is like the weirdest or most bizarre way a person, that, like a PR person that doesn't know, that didn't know you tried to get in touch with you? I don't know if it's, if it's, <laughs> if there's ever been, in, been such an uh, sort of odd way to, to kind of reach out to me. I mean, people will send flowers and we'll, I mean, I guess maybe that is strange when people send, you know, we'll, we'll send, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, some sort of like swag when they don't know you and they'll just sort of, you know, they'll, they'll sort of hit you with flowers or candy or whatever. And you don't, don't even necessarily know who you're getting this from and, and why it should, should sort of be this way. Or, but, you know, I've, I've gotten calls at home and you get calls on your, your cell phone from, from companies, from PR people for companies that you would, Never in a million years write about it's honestly become it's, it's, <laughs> well it's not that the companies are sort of you know unsuccessful or no good or anything it's just because I mean you don't write about that and you know yeah. I don't write about this you know company in Ohio that makes widgets or whatever and they're yet they're still trying to reach you um, more and more I feel like I'm getting calls from almost sort of PR telemarketers it feels like they're coming from some you know phone bank somewhere and they're just sort of um, you know, just sort of feel like they're, I'm, I'm one of like, you know, thousands of reporters that they're calling. They're just so off target and so yeah. kind of flat and generic sounding. It, it doesn't sound any different in terms of tone than when you get like a credit card solicitation or something like that. So I guess that's becoming kind of becoming sort of something that I, I feel like I'm getting more. And, um, and it's, it's kind of the weirdest thing I'm dealing with right now. That is weird. I'm surprised to hear you say that. That's not what I would expect to hear. Hmm. All right, moving on to the Super Bowl. So it's almost Super Bowl time, and people that are usually not even interested in commercials get psyched for the Super Bowl spots. It's true. So I wanted to ask you, yes, you're right about that. So I wanted to ask you what you thought, since we're doing the wrap-up of last year, and then we're going to move on to this year, what you thought, like, the best ones were last year, like your top five, top three... I thought the best ones last year were ones that, that sort of were funny or, or strove to be funny and succeeded. Um, I mean, last year, if you go back and you think about, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the 2005 Super Bowl was the first one after the, the Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction. Everyone right. sort of, you know, the consensus that was that their predictions were that everyone would be, all the markers would be very conservative, and those predictions all turned out to be pretty much right. But I thought the most, the best, Ad to come out of the Super Bowl was the one that really took all of those sort of tensions on head on and did something very funny with it, and that was the GoDaddy.com ad 
um, maybe a typical male answer because it you know came because it you know it was this this uh, this commercial featuring a woman with you know barely constrained breasts and speaking <laughs> before you know speaking before a kind of congressional like body about you know oh, she was really talking about the product but it had this whole sort of commentary on the the kind of political climate at the time and it was you know funny and then of course it had you know big breasts and you can never go wrong with those those. <laughs> So that was, I guess, the, the sort of top one. Um, that was like a very politically incorrect thing that you just said. I guess that's true. <laughs> but, you know, you can just uh, call me a kind of journalistic Neil French. <laughs> I was going to say Neil. That's right. Um, but you know what? You're probably right, so we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You so, can never yeah, go wrong nice with way big breath. together kind of product promotion about a product, you know, this, this, this um, you know, internet domain registry that nobody had ever heard of, and it brought it together with a kind of, you know, funny and kind of buzzworthy spot. Another good one was um again because it was was humorous was the FedEx um take on like Super Bowl commercial clichés. I mean this kind of goes back to what we were talking talking about before with you know kind of tipping off consumers that you know the you know the marketer knows that that you know that the consumer knows they're being marketed to and it's very it was very self-referential it kind of I think it talked about the top 10 um Super Bowl clichés like dancing animals and celebrities like right. you know, they had Burt Reynolds in there and you know anything that can make Burt Reynolds funny is uh you know it gets gets something in my book So um, were there any that you, that you know didn't quite get the I don't like to be negative but they didn't get quite the bang for the buck that they should have in terms of, um, you mean in terms of like uh, the, the sort of the PR value that came out of it, or yeah, I mean you might not remember now, but I mean yeah, I guess that's true. I mean it's always a, it's always the, the big question, right? I mean you know with with GoDaddy.com, I think it was pretty easy because no one had heard about this company before the ad, and now a lot of people have heard about it, and you know they'll get more buzz this year by you know they're sort of you know now sort of scraping with 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 um with the TV network about whether they can can have another ad and they'll get a lot of mileage out of it with something like FedEx I think with a brand like FedEx it's more established and more more out there and typically does pretty good commercials I think it's sort of uh, you know the the returns are are kind of smaller but you know it's always tough to figure out sort of who's getting what out of these ads I mean overall I would say that you know for last year's Super Bowl I think you know I, I don't I don't I don't. I don't know how much, uh, how many of the advertisers really got the mileage they would have. They would have wanted. There weren't a lot of memorable commercials, and um, you know, it just would really be hard to hard to, to sort of see where it. You know, to see how that all that spending was was justified. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that it is the most expensive time to advertise, isn't it? Yeah. The Super Bowl. Yes. So, what anything that any companies that you're particularly looking forward to seeing their spots this, on this year's Super Bowl? Well, the hot rumor this year is, I'm sure, one that you won't talk about because it involves a Crispin client. But the big one is 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 Burger King, and um, that's uh, largely hotly anticipated because you know for the past, well, I guess it's been what 18 months that Crispin has been, or about a year and a half or so that Crispin's been working on uh, been working on Burger King, and they've completely. You know, turned around the the work and made it a much more interesting brand. And I think that you know this this sort of Super Bowl, the people are expecting big things out of out of the uh, the Super Bowl spot that a lot of people believe are, is coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm interviewing you, so I'm not going to comment. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for your no comment. I was. Uh, um, I'm all. I'm interested too in. Um, Gillette will have a Super Bowl ad for their new Fusion Razor, um, which you know is this new five-blade 
men's razor. They're, they're going to be marketing. They're spending an enormous amount of money generally behind it. And um, while, you know, razors are never really, like, hot, you know, topics for ads or anything, I just, you know, I just think that, that given the, the spending they're doing, I'm kind of expecting something special. Plus, you know, Five Blades is just so excessive. I think that you can, uh, <laughs> for the product, I think that, um, you know, I'd expect the same sort of thing for the uh, for the advertising. And those are the two big ones. Uh, you know, um uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly who's going to be in it and so forth. I think FedEx generally does pretty good, pretty good, um, pretty good Super Bowl ads, and I always sort of look forward to those. So, why is it that people are so interested in the Super Bowl advertising, and and the rest of the year most of them just hate it? Is it just because you know it's one place where you see all these great ads together? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a chance for everyone to sort of show their show their chops. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think that. I think that I think it's rare that you see the best advertising going on in the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, not you know, notwithstanding the fact that like a lot of really good stuff is going on, you know, online or in print or in, in billboard advertising. But um, you know, I think that you know, there's just I mean, you know, there's always the fact that you have a lot of women and non-football fans watching because of its kind of event nature and it's something for them to sort of you know, get excited about and, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I just think often it's the sort of, it's the brands, the brands that are in it aren't necessarily, uh, you know, getting much out of it. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't necessarily know how much a, you know, a diet Pepsi brand kind of brand where it's going to sort of do the same similar kind of advertising it's done in the past because mm-hmm. it spends a lot of money. It's already a, you know, a global brand. I don't know what kind of boost you get out of it. We're, you know, GoDaddy.com. If you got the money to spend on it, it, makes perfect sense to me because you're just getting this sort of this this. You know, if nothing else, you're just getting this massive exposure. Yeah. So to speak. Very very cool. Thank you. So we are going to take one more commercial break, and we will come right back to wrap up with Matt Kramer from AdAge. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L. at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. WebmasterRadio.fm. All 80s. Before there was the internet, before there was cell phones, before there was email, before there were DVDs. Do you remember who shot JR? Then travel back, back in time every weekend with the best, best songs of the 80s. All weekend long, only on Webmaster Radio. Webmaster Radio rocks! Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host. Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner, and you are listening to The Hooked. 
Today we are speaking with my friend Matt Creamer, who covers PR, advertising, and media, and direct marketing for Advertising Age. Matt, thank you for being on the show. Sure, no problem. And I just wanted to sort of wrap it up by asking you if you had any predictions for 2006 in terms of what clients might be doing or agencies or anything that you're looking forward to seeing happening this year. Um, I mean, I think it all goes back to uh, it goes back to technology. I think that you know the things that that I'm looking forward to are just seeing how um, seeing how you know the marketers kind of try to figure out how to 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 meet consumers wherever they are, whether it's online or whether it's um, you know outdoors or in the car or in the movie theater at retail and all those different places. And I mean, I think that that's where the most interesting work is going on. The most innovative work is not just like the sort of cool stuff that we see on TV, but it's in the stuff that's really um, finds a way to, um, to hit consumers in places where they're you know they're a receptive to uh, to commercial messages and and b you know kind of, uh, you know, in the, in the mood to maybe make a purchase or to consider a purchase and so forth. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much. Will you come back again? I definitely will if you invite me. <laughs> consider this your official invitation, okay? Okay, well, thanks so much, Katie, and uh, thanks, have a good Matt. New Year. Okay, take care. Happy New Year. Okay. So that was Matt Kramer, and I'm Katie Kempner, and I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I hope you will, enjo- will join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock at the intersection of advertising and PR for The Hook. Thank you so much for listening.